Hello and welcome to another episode of the Wisdom of Friends podcast. Thank Thank you for tuning in. If this is your first time listening, then thanks for coming. This is a podcast where you get to learn more about your friends and community, their wisdom, their trials and tribulations, timeless insights and their secrets. Now, let's get into the show. Please welcome your host, Cal Aras. Hello, uh, friends. Uh, welcome to Season 7 of Wisdom of Friends, and I'm your host, Cal Ross. And today I'm really excited to be introducing you to a dear friend of mine. Her name is Rose Harrow. For over 30 years, Rose has coached and mentored business and professional change makers so that they can do well financially while making a difference in the world. As past director of an international nonprofit, she understands the challenges that large organizations face and has a wide-angled perspective of what it takes personally as well as professionally to run a business or an organization. A love for people and her intuitive ability to zero in on core issues make her equally at home chairing a meeting or coaching one-on-one and seeing the innovative solutions outside the box. Friends, this is a fascinating episode where Rose and I talk about a variety of topics, including uh, coaching, leadership, making a difference, and understanding your personality and what suits you best when running a business using archetypes. So uh, I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I did. So without further ado, let's welcome Rose Harrow. Good evening, uh, Rose. Uh, welcome to the Wisdom of Friends show. I'm uh, I'm really excited that you took the time to be on this program. And let me start off with uh, our first impressions of how I met you. It was at the National Speakers Association event in Seattle. And after learning about your background and how you help uh, heart-centered entrepreneurs really succeed at their craft and really establish a successful business, and uh, learning more about you, I know that having you on the show and uh, have you share your wisdom would be such a great uh, treat for my audience. So welcome to the show. Well, thank you, Kasha. Thanks for having me. Excellent. And one of the ways, uh, Rose, we kick off our show is by asking our guests a simple yet profound question. And that is, what is your favorite quotation or philosophy that you live by? And how have you applied it to your life? Well, um, I think that would have to be the fact that I believe we are all connected and that there is no such thing as win-lose, that we're really all in this together and that we all really all win or we all lose. If people would just look at the long term, I think they would see that that's, that's really how it works. So. No, no, I really like that because, uh, you know, it is about uh, win-win or no deal. I mean, there is no point in having one person win and the other entity feeling that they're deprived or, uh, you know, they've been taken advantage of. So I think uh, what your philosophy is right on, and I totally agree with that. Uh, the other thing, Rose, I'm curious about is uh, where did you grow up and how would you describe your childhood? In other words, what did your parents do and how has that shaped your life? Well, I grew up in the Midwest in a very large family, and both of my parents grew up on farms. And so on a farm, everybody works. And so they worked hard all their lives. And as little kids in the family, we all 
took pride in contributing to the family, contributing to taking care of the house and whatever needed to be done. And it never felt like work. It was all just what we did. And we, we took a lot of pride in it. And our parents were always proud of our accomplishments and encouraged us. So um, it just felt like a natural part of being valued as a, as a family member that had something to contribute, even when we were really, really little. So, um, and I was one of the younger ones of the family, you know, so as, as a big family, there was quite an age spread. And uh, my oldest two brothers were musicians. So there was always a lot of music in the house. And I loved it. I always knew that was going to be one of my gifts. And uh, I, I heard a lot of good quality music before I even got to kindergarten. So I'm really grateful for that. And the other thing that, that kind of stands out in my memory is that the girls in our family were, were never told to dumb themselves down or hold themselves back. They were encouraged to always do their very best. And I, I knew from the beginning that I would work for what I got in life and that it would be an enjoyable process and to just go for it. No, that is very inspiring. And and you're absolutely correct. I mean, uh, when we get that encouragement uh, to pursue our dreams, uh, specifically with our parents and uh, the elders who surround us as we grow uh, older, and, you know, that definitely adds to what we pursue in life. And coming back to your gifts, I know you also went about and got your degree in music composition. And is that correct? That's correct. Yes, I did. And that's so great. And and I'm going to get into, uh, you know, your choice of your career. Uh, so for the benefit of the audience, uh, Rose has uh, over 30 years of experience coaching and mentoring businesses and professional change makers so they can do financially uh, well while making a difference uh, around the planet. And you've also been a past director of an international nonprofit. So you've worked with social welfare, uh, making a contribution, but also sounds like you're uh, Passion and purpose is really to help uh, business leaders who are heart-centered entrepreneurs succeed at their craft and help others make a difference. So tell me about how did this journey began for you? Did you always know that this is what you wanted to pursue or what, what, were, what was your through line or your story as to what made you pick your career choice? Well, the, the through line was, well, even as a child, I remember reflecting on how some kids got in trouble and people would call them bad kids. And I thought, that's that's not right. There's something wrong with that way of thinking about it. But, but how did that happen? And what motivates or discourages people? And so I just, from a young age, I just watched human behavior and uh, wondered a lot, of, a lot about everything that I saw and why. And so... Um, the through line was really to to always, and because of the family I grew up in, we all helped each other. The big ones helped the little ones, and the little ones just saw that as as modeling. That's how you live, you know. You help other people. You find a way to be useful, and so the the through line from all the changes that I've gone through in my career would be learn something of value and then share it. You know, teach it to somebody else. And there, there were a couple of big turning points. I suppose everybody has turning points in their lives. But 
um, when, well, when I was nine years old, I remember watching my dad sitting at his desk at home working in the evening and thinking, I am never going to be self-employed. Look how hard he has to work. And what's funny is that I've been self-employed most of my adult life. So, um, never say never. But the thing is that, um, the first turning point was, uh, shortly after college, I had a health crisis. And while I was healing from that, I did a lot of reading about self-awareness and meditation and health. And before that, I was oblivious to all those kinds of things. Uh, I started to do some self-reflection and started getting some training in psychology and human welfare, brain rewiring, coaching. And it just opened me up even more to the idea of doing work that could help people make the most of their lives. So that was turning point number one. And so, so that's, that's what I did. I was coaching people, um, to develop themselves and, uh, reach their potential for decades. And then the second big turning point was that during all those years that I facilitated other people's growth, um, all my clients were word of mouth and I had never learned how to market myself. So, and, and that was enough up until I had a, an injury from a car accident that wiped me out financially. And at that point, I realized I had a big blind spot about money. And so, um, of necessity, it was time for me to take care of that blind spot and figure out how to make enough money to get out of my financial um, hole (laughs) that I was in there. And so, I started um, taking training in marketing and um, learning about money and marketing myself. And I I accidentally discovered that I really loved it, which is a total surprise to me. Because I always thought I always thought that business was really boring, and so marketing has to be business. And I didn't want that. I just wanted to be with my clients because I loved that part. Um, but I discovered that I could do marketing with the same quality of energy of service that I had when I was in session with a client. So that kind of pulled me more towards realizing, well, gee, I can leverage the good that I do if I coach other people in groups who are entrepreneurs and doing good service to the world. And so that was sort of a, what do they call it, a sharp right turn? Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, that is great. And so uh sounds like, just to uh, recap, uh, so there were a couple of uh, turning points for you, and one was early on. Uh, you know, experiencing a health crisis that led to you, you know, reading and reflecting and that basically took you on a spiritual path. And then uh, later on in your career, uh, you know, because of an accident, uh, you were financially uh, wiped out. And then that uh, led you to start looking at opportunities and looking at how do I really uh, get get a handle on these money stories and finances and you fell in love with the concept of marketing and sales and and then that led you to your purpose of uh, helping others uh, be successful at uh, what they do so you started doing group coaching and helping other similar uh, entrepreneurs and business leaders who might be in a similar situation or looking to scale and expand their business is that correct that's right yes so, uh, no, that's so great. And I want to take a step back. So, so talk to me about your, you know, what were some of the things that you learned about the concept of brain rewiring? And then, uh, you know, how did you utilize that background of, uh, you know, uh, your music composition and 
all of those skills and gifts that you had, uh, is that something that you use today in your practice when coaching people? Well, um, not the mu- uh, not the music so much. That's kind of been on a back burner for some time. Um, although I'm still taking voice lessons and I still love it. Uh, but I, yes, I have, have found that everything else that I've learned through the years, the brain rewiring, uh, really understanding how brains work, understanding the different archetypes, and that every individual entrepreneur or business leader has to develop their career according to their own strengths and weaknesses and not try to go against how they're made. Sometimes people will see somebody else be successful and they'll see, think that they can, they can copy that and then they'll be successful too. And uh, a lot of times it doesn't work out because they have different personality, different temperament, and uh, just different really strong suits that they need to use. And then also um, I like to use these certain assessments uh, in the archetypes to show both of us, to show my client and me when we first start working together what are the what are the real blind spots there? Um, because those are going to get them in trouble if they're not aware of them. Like so many people who just want to make a difference in the world, they really are not money motivated primarily. And so it's a blind spot like it was for me. And they don't want to take care of it. They kind of hope it'll take care of itself. And also, if they don't know how to market themselves in a way that is comfortable for them, they won't market at all. And that leads to what I call sort of the hope and pray method of marketing, which is no no plan at all, no strategy. It just doesn't work very well. Um, but even as a business leader, there are there are ways that people can lead successfully that are going to be natural for them. And when they lead in that way, people will feel that it's aligned with who that person is. There'll be an authentic feeling about it and it'll be very successful. But if they attempt to lead in the way that they've, that somebody else, maybe their father or some other person in their life um, did some leading, it's not going to work for them because it isn't going to be authentic. It doesn't come through. So the first thing I do when I work with people is to really do a deep dive into identity. What are you on this planet to do? And what's your most joyful, natural way of delivering your unique gifts? So a lot of times people are surprised at that because they're further advanced in their career, they're already accomplished, and they're kind of used to doing things the way they've been doing them, even if it isn't working or even if it isn't working as well as they'd like it to. And so this is like taking a step back to really create a much firmer foundation and a foundation that's just a lot more authentic and they're not going to burn out when they're working in alignment with who they really are and how they really are. Uh, you don't get the burnout and you, a lot more creativity comes forward. No, that is uh, really brilliant uh, what you just shared because uh, I strongly believe that we all have gifts and strengths and it's uh, really about tuning into our higher self and understanding what it is and then utilizing that to make a contribution. It seems like uh, that's exactly uh, what you do with your clients. So I want to take a step back and talk to me about archetypes. Uh, so 
What are some of the different archetypes and how do they play a factor? Uh, you already talked about that it's personality-based. And so my question to you is, what are different archetypes and are, do we have enough models uh, of archetypes to cover all different personalities that uh, we normally uh, run into uh, in our uh, you know, uh, wide universe, if you will? What a great question, yes. Um, well, the system of archetypes that I use um, was created by Kendall Summerhawk, and she uses, she teach, I, I did a really intensive training with her and, and got certified to actually use that as part of my work. And the archetypes, uh, there's two systems of archetypes, actually. One is personal archetypes, and there's eight of those. And then there's professional archetypes, and there's 12 of those. And where people get in trouble is when their personal archetypes are a certain way, like let's say somebody has a very strong nurturer archetype, um, but their business that they're in requires that they have really strong boundaries, and uh, if their nurturer is out of balance and too strong, they're going to get in trouble in their business. And if for example, the archetype that takes care of money, we call it the accumulator, just because it knows how to accumulate money. And in business, the whole idea, business by definition, you uh, make more money. If you don't, if you can't hang on to any of it, right, if it comes in and then slips through your fingers, you don't have a business, you have an expensive hobby, right? And so, um, so one of the archetypes is, is accumulator. And if somebody's in business, an accumulator is very low on their archetype scale. They are going to have a lot of trouble handling money. And they're going to say, well, I worked with one person, for example, who said, I make $2 million. My business makes $2 million a year, and I just don't know where it goes. So that's fairly serious, I would say. And that's because accumulators very low on her archetype scale. She just doesn't want to even pay attention to it. So that kind of business is going to have a limited lifespan unless she brings in somebody who is strong at handling money and ethical and somebody honest that she can trust. So different aspects of running a business, whether it's an entrepreneurial business or um, selling lemonade on the sidewalk or whether it's an international corporation, there are different aspects that need to be uh, different tasks that need to be taken care of. And some archetypes are brilliant at certain aspects. For example, one one ar archetype is alchemist. And it, that's my strongest archetype. An alchemist is a visionary. Alchemists can can see, they, they can run simulations in their brains almost instantaneously that if you make this decision today, you're going to come out down here later on. And a lot of people don't think that all the way through or don't think it through soon enough. But an alchemist is going to be really wonderful at saying, let's inspire the people that work here and let's let's do this thing because it's the right thing to do. Even if it's never been done before, I know we can do it. And uh, it's going to make a real positive difference. So that person should be in charge of vis visioning and strategy. Then there's another archetype which is called ruler and when i think of ruler i think of oprah 
who, uh, as she's grown through her career, she has taken on larger and larger projects. So, for example, when Oprah gets more money, she builds another school in Africa or someplace, you know, does some big project that needs to be done. And she very uh, gracefully manages all these big projects. So she would be an awesome, so anybody who has a strong ruler will organize uh, situations you can put them in, in the biggest chaos, and they will make order out of it. Uh, when I was executive executive director of the international organization, they were going through a really critical time. And they, they said, well, we either close the doors or we bring in rows. And um, I didn't even know how they knew I was good at that, but I was. And I knew exactly what to do because my alchemist visionary aspect went into the organization, and I just said, okay, here's the people I need to bring in, here's the systems that need to be put into place, um, and and just kind of created structure and order out of chaos and turned it around. And um, while I don't think of myself primarily as an administrator, I was able to do what needed to be done, and it was very successful and very satisfying, actually. So... <clears throat> And when you think about marketing and sales, there are certain people who are naturally very comfortable going out and talking to people and showing them the benefits of here's here's this wonderful product or service that we have. Here's what it can do for you. Whereas other people are shy and should never do sales. Um, some of this is really obvious and you'll see it without even knowing about archetypes. Uh, but the archetype system, I find very quickly, like in less than an hour, I can I can assess both systems and show people how their personal life, go ahead, enjoy your own archetypes. But your business and the mission of your business requires for you to call forth certain other strengths that you may have to develop to fulfill that mission and to make your business successful. No, that is uh, really a great synopsis and uh and congratulations on doing a turnaround of that uh, nonprofit organization. Uh, sounds like you really found your uh, uh, soul's match there with your contribution and the difference you are out to make in the world. Uh, so just to recap, so essentially what I'm hearing is that uh, it really getting to the root of identity. And the best way to understand identity is to look at what, what's your archetype. And then you could technically have a professional archetype as well as a personal uh, archetype. And uh, what may work in uh, one area or one domain of life may not necessarily work in the other area. So the key is to like a, a get an understanding of what it is and then look at what are some of the skills that you'll need to develop so that you can be uh, successful with your calling and career and mission in life. Mm-hmm. Yes, and just another example is that I also have a strong ruler I, I really like organizing things, and um, and I, I really like working. Rulers love working. My work is really compelling and engaging. And so sometimes at the end of the day, I need to call forward another archetype to say to myself, to talk to myself this way by saying, oh, it's really beautiful outside. Wouldn't you like to close down the computer for the day and go have dinner outside and play in the garden a little bit. And so I can call forward now that I have conscious awareness of all of my archetypes, everything that's, that's available to me. 
I can uh, develop different ones and, and call them into play when I have a particular task in front of me. No, that's uh, really fantastic. The other question that comes up uh, for me is, uh, Rose, <clears throat> so when you look back at your life, and uh, you've had your fair share of successes, and uh, I'm sure there have been moments of grace along the way when, uh, you know, and strategic inflection points as well. And what I mean by that is that moment, that turning point in your life when you look back, when life was never the same again moment. Is there anything that comes to mind? Oh, well, yes. Um, uh, yes, those the two incidents that I, that I already mentioned um, really just changed the trajectory of my life in each case. <clears throat> and there's no going back. And um, uh, like I said before, I can never say never, but I I really love doing business coaching now and working with leaders and um, business leaders and entrepreneurs to um, – I do miss sometimes the, the um, – more personal one-to-one, but I do that at a higher level now. So I feel like I'm leveraging my time and energies more. And I feel like I'm really in my right place. So that's that's such a blessing. No, that is so great. And uh, the other thing that comes up for me is, you know, we've had many guests on the show. And uh, one of the things that, that it seems to be a common theme, if you will, or a pattern that people end up going through some kind of a crisis, you know, be it a health crisis, financial crisis, or relationship crisis, or spiritual crisis, or, uh, you know, uh, and, and that really is the genesis of evolution for them. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, takes them to the next level, if you will. So my question to you is having gone through your personal crisis and uh, the health crisis and the accident, why do you think that people have to wait for a crisis or people uh, end up, you know, having to uh, have a crisis show up in their lives to take the next step to uh, really evolve and grow and take their life to the next level. Do you think crisis is needed or can people actually uh, do without the crisis? Well, I think people can do without the crisis. Um, Sometimes a crisis is a gift and it can make the change happen faster. Um, uh, but there are, there are a lot of changes in my life, too, that I think have been more gradual and organic and where I know something is changing and I take one step and then the next step becomes apparent. And so I take that step and then the next step becomes apparent. And um, so I think they're, they, they're both they're – both, um, people have different paths and some people – seem to have more of, um, I call it a TV dinner by the pool lifetime, where from the time they're born to the time that they die, their life does not go through a lot of change. Some people are born in a certain household, in a certain neighborhood, and they live there their whole lives, and they're content doing that. And, you know, I, I have wondered if that actually provides stability in the world that some people aren't always going through big changes and then other people have uh, a lot of experience that needs to come together so that they can do the service that they're supposed to do and in my early years during college and immediately thereafter um, I had a really hard time finding my place in the world and so I did a lot of different jobs and they were all helpful in different ways. I mean, at one point I did soldering for auto safety crash testing. 
I was soldering accelerometers. And another time I was making jewelry. I was just trying things out to see what would stick. And I finally found the coaching and and uh, brain rewiring and facilitating people and all of the training that led up to that was just, it fit like a glove. And so some of the some of the changes I've been through have been these kind of extreme, you know, injury or crisis, like you say. And um, other things have been more of a gradual process. So I, I don't think it's it's either or. I think most lives have some kind of mixture of the two. I would tend to agree. And it reminds me of the conversation I had with uh, Michael Beckwith of the Agape International fame. And, mm-hmm. you know, he talks about uh, the concept of uh, Satori and uh, Kensho. Satori is that instant enlightenment. And and uh, Kensho is where, you know, there's a gradual uh, enlightening process that happens because of a personal crisis and so on so so i think that we all go through our own journey as we evolve and grow so i tend to agree the other thing uh, i want to uh, take a step back when you mentioned that trying to find a place our place in the world and trying to know what our calling is and uh, so you ended up doing a lot of different things seeing what sticks so the question for you is and this is uh, one of the questions we commonly get from our audience is I don't know my calling or how do I find out what my purpose is? I can do a lot of different things, but how do I know what it is that I'm meant to do? So what would be your advice for people out there who are looking to know what they're meant to do on this planet? Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. And I I remember so vividly when I was going through that myself. And uh, I really wanted to do something meaningful. I wanted to make a difference. And I just, it, it was quite a while when I didn't know what it was. So I would just say, uh, do different things, put yourself in different circumstances. And then uh, I loved my mathematics uh, class in high school. And one of the things that I loved was the either or kind of a proof. Um, And so you start to delimit your variables, which helps you with it leaves you with what you do know for sure. And um, I actually teach classes on what is the right business for me. There are many workshops that I give sometimes because so many people are struggling with this. And even people who are experts in their field, who've done 20, 30 years in their field, they feel like there's something else I'm supposed to do. Uh, Or even people like doctors who are established in their career and they still want to be a doctor, but they want some specialty and they're not sure what it is they're seeking. So people seek at all different parts of their lives. And so sometimes you can start with something very um, obvious and practical like, well, do you want to work indoors or do you want to work outside? And, and so that that separates out those two categories of work. Do you want to work with a lot of people around you or do you want to work by yourself at a quiet desk with a closed door someplace? Um, what kinds of people do you like to be around during the day? Um, so, you know, those kinds of practical questions. And then I kind of go more to the imagination end of the spectrum and ask people things like, what did you dream about when you were a child? Because I think that when we're really young, we know a lot. We know a lot. And it kind of gets trained out of us sometimes by well-meaning adults in school and different things like that. One, one person who I respect a lot said, children come in, start into the school system as an exclamation point. And they leave the school system as a period. 
And uh, there's a sense of wonder somehow gets lost along the way. And so as adults, a lot of us really need to have some kind of spiritual transformational awakening to get back in touch with our soul purpose. What am I on this planet to do? And I don't think there's always a quick answer. I think that's that is a process. But those are some things that I do look at. And also, if you're at the end of your life, what do you want to be able to look back and say that you did that will allow you to die peacefully as a very old, satisfied person, knowing that you've accomplished what you really wanted to? So and it may not have anything to do with your work, actually, in some cases. No, that is really, uh, those are really brilliant points. And, uh, and you know, even though uh, we may or may not know what our purpose is, it's always good to address those questions uh, every now and then and reflect on those because that could give us another clue as to what our next uh, evolutionary stage is. Uh, I really like that. And uh, talking about... Uh, you know, people and uh, who have influenced you and, uh, you know, surrounding yourself with people who inspire you. Rose, what would you what would you say were your who are your mentors growing up and whom did you look up to or wanted to emulate and uh, who inspires you today in our profession? Oh, my gosh. So many people, really so many people. It takes a village, right? Um, growing up, I would have to say. My first thought is my brothers and sisters, but really my parents too, because they really lived by their values. They were um, with a big family. They were a little on the strict side because they had to for their own sanity. They had to be, um, but they were consistent with everything that they asked us to do. They also abided by, which I always knew was fair. Even as a child, I, I knew that that was fair and that was right. I respected that. Um, but my one of my older sisters particularly was, um, well, she's quite a bit older than me, and um, all of my brothers and sisters were involved in music, sports, drama, math, art, just growing up with sort of a rich liberal arts environment, just living in that household. Um, and then as I became an adult and was starting in my coaching career, um, one of my older sisters was a high-performance coach for CEOs about 30 years before anybody even talked about coaching. She sort of fell into that, and her clients were high-level. I, I could name the companies, and you'd all know the companies. She would coach privately with the CEOs because they couldn't get their needs met taking general classes. They needed somebody who specialized in that, and so she was a little ahead of her time. But uh, she came to one of my classes that I was teaching when I was facilitating a group. And afterwards, she said that I was intuitively doing some of the things she had learned in her work. And we found out that even though our age difference was pretty big, that we had a lot in common. And I, I would say she probably was my first mentor. No, that's great. And then uh, the uh, other thing also is uh, you do a lot of professional speaking. And if I understand it correctly, uh, you are headed to Germany in a couple of months. Is that correct? For a conference? I, yes, I'm very excited to be. I've never been to Germany. I've been other places in Europe, but not Germany. And I'll be speaking at a conference there. And uh, I, I'm I'm deciding whether I want to open up Europe for for other speaking um, engagements. I like traveling. I don't. I also like being at home. So I want to travel some. I don't know if I want to travel to Europe many times a year, but 
um, it's going to be really enjoying. I love speaking at conferences. And I'll be talking about the glass ceiling there, which turns out it's a hot topic in Europe as well as here. So mm, That's great. So talking about travel, what's your favorite place to travel and any particular place that uh, has left an impression on you? Oh, yes. <laughs> so, my favorite city is Paris. And uh, I've been there enough times and have studied it a lot. So I, I pretty well know my way around and very comfortable there. Um, but what I love the most about Paris was that the whole city was built with careful attention to making everything beautiful. So if there's a bridge, it's a beautiful bridge. If there's going to be a lamppost on the sidewalk, it's going to be aesthetically pleasing. So it's a really visually rich place for me. I'm, it's my happy place. No, that's so great. Uh, the other thing that uh, I want to ask you about is early on in your life, uh, you mentioned that uh, you know you had this uh, spiritual journey that you were on, and so. The question I have for you is, what books influenced you while you were on your spiritual path? Any uh, books that come to mind that you would like to uh, recommend to our audience that had uh, our seminars, workshops, or anything of that sort that helped you along the way? Oh, my gosh. Again, there were so many. I was just uh, voraciously reading everything I could get my hands on, and uh, I used to, I used to joke that I never took vacation. I just took training. Um, and... But one of the first one of the first books way back in the day was um, uh, Richard was it Richard Alpert uh, he goes by Ram Dass now Be Here Now and and it was just uh, very it was the most um, unusual thing I had read so far and it got me thinking that well I think there's a lot of other things I don't know about and so I started reading about health and nutrition, because up until that point, you know, this is the first illness thing. Up until that point, I had just eaten without any consciousness, whatever there was. I just ate the standard American diet. And for me, for my body, that wasn't working so well. And so I studied nutrition, I studied yoga, meditation, and um, I became a licensed massage therapist. And I studied lots of different kinds of transformational body work, anything that would give people a better quality of life, and that moved on to noticing the body-mind connection. It was a good time in history for that because there was a lot that was written then. And I'm just, I'm not remembering any particular book, but through the years, um, uh, one, one book that has really stayed with me is uh, Bruce Lipton's Biology of Belief, about how... Um, how our, we can change our genetic code, that we are not stuck with the genes we're born with, that we can moderate them. And um, I also love infant massage. I discovered that infant massage makes a huge difference in how healthy babies are, how strong, uh, strongly their immune system develops early in life. I mean, I'm very, I, I guess you would say I'm very wide read, widely read. Um, I came across Gabor Mate, who is an Italian, uh, an Italian Canadian physician, and his specialty is understanding childhood. And this man has so much compassion. I've seen him lecture. I've taken trainings with him and read um, his books. Oh, what else? My gosh, I could go on and on. 
Um, but those are just a few that jump out. No, that's uh, great. And then we'll include all of that in the show notes uh, for the benefit of the audience. Uh, the other thing, uh, Rose, and this is a hypothetical uh, question for you, and that is, you know, let's say if you could go back in time and talk to your young self, like your uh, 19 or 20-year-old self, what advice would you give her? Oh, well, I would have said to her, trust yourself more. Um, because I can, I can think of so many things that I actually had straight when I was a child. And then people talked me out of them or caused me to doubt myself. But I would have said to her, trust yourself more, follow your own inner guidance, and realize that it is reliable. No, that's great. Very inspiring. And I like that uh, about trusting yourself. And I think uh, that can certainly play a huge uh, part in how we uh, interact uh, with the challenges or the circumstances of life. Uh, shifting gears here, and we are moving on to the next section, and these are some of the questions we have received from our audience. So my first question to you, uh, Rose, is, you know, you uh, help uh, business leaders and heart-centered uh, entrepreneurs, uh, you know, grow their businesses. So the question is, what are some common uh, mistakes or rookie mistakes uh, you see some of these entrepreneurs do uh, who have their heart in the right place but are struggling to scale their business or grow financially, uh, you know, take their business to the next level? Uh, the first thing that comes to mind is attempting to do it all themselves is that uh, not having a business coach, not having a good business coach that's a good match for you and for the kind of business that you are wanting to create. Um, nobody can do it all themselves. Nobody's good at everything. And any business, even a relatively simple business, is going to have different aspects that require different skill sets. And mar marketing and the whole, whole thinking like a business person excuse me, is a particular skill set that is often very different than your specialty within the business. And people waste a lot of time thinking they can, I wasted a lot of time thinking I could figure it all out for myself. And, um, oh my gosh, when I started working with mentors and coaches, and I've probably worked with about 20, 25 really top-notch mentors and coaches and um it, it accelerated my progress so much so that would be the big one that that oftentimes people don't have a plan and a pathway and a strategy the second thing i would say is most people unbrand themselves most people's marketing their website is not doing them any good they're not niched properly they're um attempting to take on too much they're attempting to appeal to too broad an audience. And that's something also that a good coach can help them with or should should be able to help them with if the coach is strong in marketing. No, that is really great. And I think, uh, you know, having a coach uh, in any endeavor of life, it doesn't just have to be business, but even in personal life, and the best of the best have coaches. And I think one of the biggest advantages that one can get is that they can uncover the blind spots. No matter how smart we are, we all have blind spots, and they can see things that can enable us to uh, succeed at a faster clip. And you mentioned marketing and sales, and one of the distinctions I remember uh, hearing this early on uh, was that, you know, consider like, you know, you're playing a game of golf. So marketing is really like getting the ball 
uh, onto the greens and sales is getting the ball from the greens into the hole. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there are two specific skill sets and it's you're absolutely correct that trying to do it all on your own just doesn't work. You need to surround yourself with the right kind of people. The other question, uh, Rose, uh, I have for you is, what stops people, in your opinion, from achieving their fullest potential? I would have to say, aside from not having a coach and not having a, a real clearly defined strategy and pathway, what stops people in general from achieving their potential is fear and self-doubt and lack of support from from people around them. Uh, sometimes people are in an environment that lacks modeling of other people living their potential. Maybe there's nobody in their life, nobody in their world that is really going for that, is really developing themselves and continuing to to better their best and better their best. So um, I think having role models and inspiration and support is really important. That's so great. Uh, The other thing is, uh, what would you say uh, somebody who is uh, looking to start a business or, or starting to uh, find a niche or finding find a calling in in terms of really like trying to you know find a happy medium between pursuing their passion and becoming successful what are some of the first steps that you would recommend to them and in other words what I'm asking is uh, could you tell us more about your coaching process how does that work if a client comes to you with uh, engagement and say want to learn about scaling my business i want to grow my business what are some of the few things that you do initially and how do you help them do that okay well i start with the um the deep dive into identity because a lot of people jump into business sorry and they think that the first thing they're going to do is go get a business card made and then make a website and and i want to say to them wait a minute you don't even know who you are yet that's going to be a lot of wasted time, energy, and probably money, too. And so I, I really start with that deep dive in the question, you know, who are you? Why are you on this planet? So we do those assessments. And then I listen a lot. Um, I, I ask a lot of questions. And sometimes I think maybe the most valuable thing I do is ask questions. So um, I, I'm pretty selective about who I work with. Um, I, I like to find out who they are, what, they're, what they want, what they've already done, clarify their strengths, figure out what their goals are to the degree that they already know. And then together we co-create. Um, sometimes I feel like a hostess at a smorgasbord. Like, you know what? I have a lot of things I can teach you. Let's find out what you want to do and which of these things you need to learn to be able to do that successfully and without burnout, without stress. That's great. And then we'll include uh, Rose Harrow's coaching uh, links uh, on the show notes as well. So people who need to uh, reach out can do so. The other thing, uh, Rose, I wanted to ask you is what was the best piece of advice you've received in life or business? I think the best piece of advice would be back to trust yourself. Trust yourself. Make your own mistakes because you can calibrate. I believe everybody's intuitive. And there are so many decisions in business that you can easily have uh, decision fatigue. And so 
a lot of times you're going to have to make a decision before you have all the information you would like to have. And that's when your intuition is going to tell you, I know this is the right thing for us to do. And so the more you use your intuition, the better and better it gets. And so if you trust yourself and 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 trust yourself with big things and small things so that when it comes to the bigger things you are tried and true you know you can trust your gut and it it is a huge time saver huge time and energy saver so um and of course the second thing is have a plan and a pathway that you're following and let go of your ego leave your ego out of it if you if you find yourself saying oh, I, I don't need any help, I can figure this out on my own, you're probably going to take longer. Um, it's probably going to take you longer than than somebody who, as you said, Cal, um, gets a coach right away and starts working a program that's a, tr- a tested and proven pathway. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. The other question I have for you is, Rose, uh, what was one thing you did last year that you're really proud of? Last year, oh, I let go of a lot more things. Mm. I, really, I really let go of a lot of things. Um, I let go of a lot more of my perfectionism. I, uh, I, I'm a big gardener, major gardener, and have a big yard. And I went through the yard, I walked the yard, and just consciously decided this part of the yard is going to be on its own this year. I can't garden as much as I would like to. It's just going to make me crazy. And I'll feel divided. And I just let go of a lot of things that I don't need to personally do. Um, I delegated a lot more. I hired a couple more people to help me, um, which is just brilliant. I love it. Mm-hmm. It makes my life so much easier. No, that is really huge, letting go and uh, taking a minimalist approach and focusing on your best uh, core of competency, if you will, and, and that's that's really great. So if you could do one thing over again from last year, what would that be? Mm. Gosh, I think I would hire more people sooner, really. Mm. I think I would do that, um, which would allow me to get more sleep and... Um, you know, it's it's funny when you really get enough sleep. I I think most people don't ever get enough sleep, so they don't know. But when you really get enough sleep, you're like a different person. And early in the early years of business, people tend to want to make to work longer hours to really make things successful. And sometimes that's necessary, but it can become a habit. And especially when you're somebody like me who loves to work. I sometimes tend to overwork, and this is something that I really need to keep an eye on. And so uh, what I would do over would be uh, schedule more leisure time. Mm, That's that's fantastic. As someone once said, you know, every super machine uh, needs rest to function better and be no different. So Mm -hmm. absolutely, we need more rest and sleep so that we can be our most productive selves. the other question I have for you is, what is one thing that you want to accomplish in the next year? Uh, well, um, of course, the speaking in, in Europe, that's going to be really cool. I'll accomplish that. I've got a lot of content that I am going to record and make that available. I'm creating some new programs. And uh, in particular, I'm 
launching a sustainable leadership retreat in a few months uh, in the Seattle area. And people can get on the early notice list if they're interested in that or if they'd just like to find out more about it. So that's that's what I'm really excited about, creating some new um, new courses, mini courses, and then, of course, um, the larger. I do a six-month um, I do six month private coaching course with people, and a lot of times they renew it. So we end up working together for two, three, four years, just depending on what they need. Um, then, then they can come back for tune-ups as needed. Uh, but I, I love teaching groups as well, so I'm probably going to create a couple of new groups. But um, the big focus really is on the executive leadership retreat and courses like that, short courses, and then the longer six-month working um, mentoring program. I really like that and that's very inspiring. Uh, shifting gears here, moving on to our next section and this is a rapid fire round and I'm going to sure. just ask you a bunch of questions. It's the first uh, response that comes to your mind. Uh, so Rose, are you ready? I think so. Alright. So my first question to you is, what is one thing you can do that might surprise other people? Oh, um, I can compose Baroque music. Oh wow, that's great. I didn't know that. If you could be successful in another profession, which would you choose? I probably would want to be a singer. Mm. The next question, what's your favorite memory from your travels to Paris? What's the first thing that comes to mind? Um, sitting by the the river and doing nothing, just watching. Mm. And uh, if you could ask God one question, what would it be? I would ask God if there's any way that we could arrange to have less suffering on this planet. Mm, I really like that. And then one final question within the rapid fire round, and that is if you could have any message of your choice on a billboard, what would that be? Oh, gosh, I think it would be something like, um, be kind, you don't <clears throat> be kind, you don't know what other people are going through. That's great. And then uh, a final section, and I just have uh, final three questions for you, Rose. And my first question to you is, uh, where can people reach you? Are you uh, active on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, I, LinkedIn? I am not real active on social media. I'm somewhat on Facebook. But the best way for people to reach me would be through my website, which is roseharrow.com. That's H-A-R-R-O-W. Um, or... Uh, through email at rose at roseharrow.com. So that's the best best way to reach me. Excellent. And we'll include all of that in the show notes as well. The next question is, what are three things you're grateful for in life? Oh, my husband, my um, many amazing mentors, and my family and friends. That's great. Uh, so let me take a moment to acknowledge you, Rose, uh, for a few things. One is, you know, what an incredible journey that you've led, uh, you know, with all the crisis and all the ups and downs and ebb and flow of life. You know, you've stayed focused, you stayed committed to your heart's calling. And not only that, you discovered your own gift, but you're now helping other people discover their gifts and be successful in that process. So that's really, you're truly a role model for the community. And and it's amazing uh, the the way you are constantly uh, growing and learning and uh, taking your game of life to the next level. So very inspiring. So thank you for being you. 
Thank you so much. And one final question, Rose, and that is how we uh, wrap up all our interviews. And that is, why do you think people should listen to the wisdom of friends? Well, because we're all better together and we're all here to learn from each other. So uh, you've created a really beautiful forum for that here, Kasha. Thank you so much, Rose, and I appreciate your uh, feedback and I enjoyed our conversation this evening. And for everybody listening, uh, with that, we'll wrap it up. And if you like what you heard, please share. Don't be shy. Thanks for listening to the Wisdom of Friends show with Carla Ras. If you enjoyed today's show, head over to wisdomoffriends.net to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover our fantastic bonus content. We hope you'll pass along our web address, wisdomoffriends.net, to your friends and colleagues. Be sure to check out our archives section on the website for previous episodes and subscribe on iTunes, rate, and leave a review. It's very much appreciated. Thank Thank you. you. This has been a Seven Symphonies production. Join us next time for another edition of The Wisdom of Friends.